Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from blazing blades to blasted blockades. And today we're talking about black dragons. All right, Brian, time to talk about Black Dragons. I think this is the third Chromatic Dragon uh, where we, we've, we've talked about this year. Besides yes. the actual Chromatic Dragons Part 2 episode that we did also this year, but whatever. So, Black Dragons. Indeedy, Black Dragons are also known as Skull Dragons and are considered to be far and away the cruelest and most sadistic of the Chromatic Dragons. Um, red Dragons may be known as having greater tempers, and Green Dragons may be known as being more deceitful and manipulative, but Black Dragons are the most wicked and malicious by far, I would say. So that what they lack in their physical prowess, they make up for in their straight-up displeasantness. Yeah, exactly. Dis- um, unpleasantness. Causing... What, did I say a thing? Yeah, hey, you said a thing. Ca- <laughs> causing pain brings them joy. Oh. Uh, causing violence brings them satisfaction. Uh, that being said, black dragons are actually pretty low on the chromatic dragon power scale, right. uh, being considered weaker than all other chromatic dragons besides white dragons, who are the weakest. Um, so yeah, black dragons have what I would consider to be one of the most distinctive looks in all of uh, D&D dragons. Probably the most distinctive look, if you ask me. They can be identified by their deep, uh, socketed eyes, broad nasal openings, and their gaunt, bony facial structure, giving their face the appearance of a skull. Ooh. They're... Horns curl forward and down, jutting forward almost like tusks that stand out starkly against their black scales as their horns are the color of bone. Cool. Um, That's really cool. Their head and jaws are lined with spikes and small horns. Their teeth all protrude out of their mouth when closed, kind of like a crocodile. Ooh. But a little bit more, like, severely. Um, They got that that? mad overbite. They do. Over (laughs) and underbite. It's teeth everywhere. So their teeth are just like at this crazy angle. So they're like outside of the lip. Yeah, exactly. They have lips or does it? They don't really have lips. Just like skin that curls under into jaw. Into just straight up scissor teeth. Exactly. Um, A large frill adorns the upper portion of their necks. 
Um, they have web claws designed for swimming. Um, they, as they age, the skin around their horns and cheekbones actually begins to deteriorate. Some say from like the as the acidic environment they live in and the fact that they themselves are constantly producing acid. Um, and this leave, they en- ends up leaving this o- only a thin hide stretched across bone on, on their face, accentuating the skull like, uh, vi- visage that they have. That's dope. Yeah. A- acidic slime drools from their mouths and they smell strongly of rot and fl- foul water. They're Ooh, also, they girl, are, what? <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> no. Well, they like it. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, cool. They're good. They're good. They, lo- they love they it. They are also noted to be abnormally slender compared to other chromatic dragons uh but the 5e monster manual does the art does not reflect that they look quite burly and they look really cool i actually like the 5e monster manual art but every other monster manual um and every other source i could find uh depicts black dragons as being like more like gauntly and grotesquely slender compared to other chromatic dragons so what did the artist in the 5e manual just like decide to draw it a certain way and then it just got like okay i guess so i mean it looks good so i'm not complaining well but. yeah but does it look right like to the uh, description you know, to be fair, the description, number one, 5 Monster Manual doesn't have that description. Number two, the Monster Manuals and Draconomicons that do have that description, I'm going to be honest, the artwork doesn't make them look that much more scrawny anyways. Okay. So, up so, for debate. Okay. I got it. It's kind of a cool descriptor to think about, though, like to make it seem a little bit more unworldly and unique. Yeah. If you want a, a, a cool example of a black dragon looking like grotesquely like scrawny, but still like menacing. Check out the original Dragon Guard game. Um, that game has a black dragon that's very much like that, and especially in comparison to the red dragon that you ride. Oh, but cool. Okay. Anyways, uh, that that game. Uh, although I I almost don't want to recommend playing that game because that game <laughs> is very difficult to get into, and there's a lot um, there's a lot of reasons for that. But this isn't a Dragon Guard podcast, so I don't want to get into it. You just gotta really want to see the black dragon. You just yeah, gotta really want it. I mean, really just bad, look really at the YouTube video, Black Dragon Dragon Guard. You're good. Oh. You'll, you'll see it. Well, way to shut my shit right down, Will. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> so black dragons prefer to make their homes in swamps, bogs, and marshlands. Uh, the more stagnant and fetid the water, the better. Still, uh, they're also noted to make their homes uh, anywhere where water and dense vegetation can be found together, including jungles, rainforests, and moors. Um, between their amphibious nature and the dull black scales uh, that are ideal for camouflage, these locations uh, and these territories are optimal stomping grounds for black dragons. Okay, cool. Yeah. Big swamp. Big swamp. Big stinky swamp. Big stinky shitty swamp. <laughs> and they just already smell like the place they want to live. Indeed. Ugh. Um, That's gross. Yes. <laughs> the reputation black dragons have for their viral temperament is derived from their seething hatred of all things not themselves. Uh, <laughs> Stupid trees. <laughs> Stupid trees. How dare you be yeah. vertical like that? Stupid rocks. I lay down and sleep, idiots. <laughs> so um, they, like all other dragons, see themselves as the superior being of the universe. And uh, so all others in their minds should be subjugated and denied any type of prosperity or reward. <laughs> um, for black dragons, it's not enough that they should win, but others must lose. And they must lose badly for them to be satisfied. Ooh. Yeah, they're really they're just super spiteful, bad they're sports. very spiteful. Spiteful, bad sports. Do not play volleyball with this black dragon. Because if you you will beat it, and when you do, it'll be very upset. It's going to throw sand in your eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So because of this outlook, um, black dragons have a deep-seated loathing for the humanoid races, in in particular, Uh, prospering civilizations of beings they deem to be weak and lesser fills a black dragon with anger, and the collapse of societies causes a black dragon to revel with joy. 
Uh, plagues, famine, war, economic collapse, and natural disasters that strike mighty nations and empires are things the Black Dragon celebrates and may even work to bring about. Mm. They just really hate when they see people doing well. <laughs> it really Damn. upsets them. So deep is their hatred of civilization, in fact, that black dragons love to make their layers amongst the ruins of fallen empires and kingdoms. Uh, they hoard the treasures and magic items of crumbled civilizations and conquered peoples to remind themselves of their own greatness. Uh, furthermore, the more civilizations a black dragon outlives, the more their belief in their own superiority is then reinforced. <laughs> okay. So there it is. That's ridiculous. Yeah, black dragons are a bit ridiculous. The scale I love black dragons. So I love black dragons because I love to hate them because they're so hateable. They're a great villain because they're just so horrible. Yeah, they're just they're personified <laughs> hatred. They really are. Oh, yeah, God. absolutely. Um, their hatred of others, of course, extends to other dragons, but also with it comes fear. Because black dragons are low on the power level totem pole, um, they are reduced to spying on rival dragons from afar and taking opportunities to strike and kill weaker dragons when and if they can. Oh, man. Um, just for funsies, huh? Just because. Just because fuck those guys, apparently. So they, they're probably, like, trying to hide. Like, their hordes and stuff are, like... Really know, tucked away really good. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I think a swamp's a good place to be like that, I guess. I had a cool uh, thought, like a visual, where it was kind of like a territory grab situation, because I like that kind of... Um, dynamic? That, that dynamic between dragons, like a blue yeah. dragon and a black dragon, where they're... And I was just like, how can I justify that? And, like, there are places where the ocean, like, just gets a little bit of water into, like, a, like a, like a place just that doesn't get... look at Louisiana. Get, like, look at the Delta. Bam. Like blue yeah. dragon, blue dragons and black dragons would definitely clash exactly there. Yeah, there's just like stuff like like this festering like pool of salt water and stuff that's mm -hmm. like all stagnant. And it's just yeah. like in a crevasse somewhere, just like climb down and like absolutely. I'm living under your under your nose, bro, and you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah, that's, I like that. That's pretty cool. That's chill. Yeah. So the locations of choice uh, could bring them into contact with green dragons actually more often than than blue dragons, like we were just saying. Um, mostly like in the jungly area or like if it's like a wet forest or rainforest where green dragons like to hang out. Right. Okay. Uh, if the power disparity between the two is great enough, the black dragon will either flee from the green dragon if it's like the, the older one mm -hmm. or slay the green dragon if it's the younger one. Okay. Um, if the power levels are fairly close, the green and green dragons and black dragons are known to hold truces sometimes, so long as the black dragon stays in the watery locations and the green dragon stays in the foresty, jungly locations. Nice. Okay. In which case, it's like, all right, fine, we're good. And I think this is fitting because green and black dragons are right next to each other in the power level. So it's white, black, green, blue, red. Yeah, so there's not that big of a difference. If they were to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, it could go either way, really. Yeah, that's why, like, the power disparity, it, it, there's a higher chance of uh, the power disparity being actually narrow versus wide. Right, and then you have that, there's, there's like, a scale within the scale, like, of you are the most powerful black dragon, right? Oh, yeah, and yeah, like an ancient black dragon, yeah. An ancient black dragon versus a, even just a regular adult green dragon, there's... Well, even no so, contest. Even so, I think, you know, stat block wise, they're all going to be pretty much, you know, if you have adult black dragon mm -hmm. and you have 10 of them, you know, in a random selection, mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. probably aren't all going to be, you know, one is going to be a dominant. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, obviously. But, uh, you know, when you're using monster man, that's identical. Yeah, obviously you can adjust that as you will. But yeah, like if it's an adult green and an adult black power, I mean, they're one challenge rating away from each other. There's probably going to be a truce. For sure. Okay. 
So the malevolence of a black dragon is actually nearly a tangible thing with very real effects throughout its ter- territory. A lizard, oh, nice. lizard folk often find themselves subjugated beneath black dragon rule, and its influence will turn a normally pragmatic tribe into a savage, violent, and cruel society zealously loyal to their new god. We talked about the lizard folks in the lizard folks episode, and the main thing I think we you could take from that episode is that lizard folk, as a general rule, don't really feel emotions. <laughs> Right. They're, but they're very pragmatic. They're, they're very uh, survivalist. Yeah, they're practical. They're not trying to do anything yeah. that is outside of the realm of them surviving. Exactly. Good and evil just isn't a thing for them. A black dragon's influence literally turns these guys viciously, monstrously evil. That's how strong their hatred is. <laughs> and before we talk more about that, we're going to take a short rest. Cool. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where we're talking about those black dragons. We're talking about our emotions in regards to you. In, in, fact, in fact, it's the opposite emotion that a black dragon usually feels. Yeah. Think about the, all that black dragon stuff we just said and then just flip it on its back. Give it a 180 and that's how the dungeon cast feels about y'all. Let's talk about a contest we got running. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watch Super Quest Saga. It's a cool show. 
and we'll give you, uh, if you tell other people about it, we'll give you the descent to Avernus book. But only one of you. But fight! Only one of you. Fight! <laughs> fight! Um... <laughs> So yeah, we're doing a contest giving away the, the Descent into Avernus uh, campaign module that's coming out in September, I believe September like 11th or something like that. And if you are interested in winning that book, all you have to do is share a link to the show SuperQuest Saga, our D&D live play. It's a, it's a space opera uh, fantasy adventure set in a, it's a galactic space adventure. And uh, if you share the show with the hashtag SuperQuest and let us know about it, either via Twitter or email or however you want to let us know, um, we'll enter you into the contest. Yeah, if you use the hashtag on Twitter, Will's going to find it. So that, yeah. that effectively is notifying us. If Indeed. you go to our Instagram page, there's a post on there with the uh, the Descent into Avernus, you know, title page, uh, front cover, I think is what they call them in the industry. Front cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the front of the book. Yes. That the part front of the book. You'll see the picture they're going to use for the front of the book as a post. <laughs> it's true. Tag, tag two people in there um, and recommend in the same comment, recommend SuperQuest Saga to those two people you're tagging. Uh, I've seen a lot of people recommend the dungeon cast. I'll count you anyway, but like, like. Dude, uh, it's just the contest read, is for the other show. Yeah, you can just read the rule. <laughs> just read the stuff and, and you'll get it. Um, um, and we will be drawing our winner on September 1st. That's right. So, so two ways to enter. To all of you. Um, you can get you can get two entries, one prize. Indeed. Like we said, fight! Now let's get back to the show. Let's get back to the show. We're back. We've we're returned. Back. <laughs> Here we are. And uh, we're talking about Black for Dragon. us. We've returned. <laughs> You're looking for us. Here we, yes, you found know who us. else you'd be looking for, quite frankly. Good job. Um, so Black Dragons, we were just talking about their their evil hatred effect on their terrain and their territory and the people who live there. And we talked about how it turns the loser folk into savage monsters. Um, black Dragons have the same effect on kobolds. Um, furthermore, the presence of a Black Dragon can actually cause the spontaneous generation of evil shambling mounds to patrol Black Dragon's territory. That is so cool. It is really cool. I and love the shambling mound. Yeah, shambling mound's a fun monster. And these specific ones are evil, and they specifically hunt any good creatures foolish enough to enter the swamp. You know what else? Uh, what other monsters are cool? Are they like Awakened Tree, Awakened Bush? That'd be cool if oh, those yeah. like, popped up also. The, I'm sure you could you'll work that in. And uh, who knows? That might be part of the regional fix I haven't read yet. So uh, you, you watched Adventure Time, right? Oh yeah, I watched all, all ten seasons. Do you remember where uh, there's he has to like cross that nasty river to do this like mission, and there's a there's like a little bush there that's talking shit to him. Oh, man, He's I like, "Hello, dummy remember. police." No, like, I don't call, remember. He picks the bush up. He like tears it out of the ground. Like slaps the water <laughs> out of the way to like run across the river. I do remember. I do remember. Yeah. Yes, and yes. the bush is like still alive, but it's yeah. just a twig. Yeah, like, I love the picturing that specific creature like that yeah. specific cartoon as like my awakened shrubs like just I love stabbing that. people that is a, an amazing Talking image shit. and that's an amazing show <laughs> but back to black dragons yeah <laughs> um so while a red dragon revels in being worshipped and praised you know red dragons all about ego and uh pride blue dragons tend to revel in commanding others and commanding respect so they're all about like kind of domination shooting lightning out of their faces that too black dragons revel in causing fear and also pain but fear <laughs> specifically fear specifically okay. fear they play with their prey uh with cruel torture they force them to beg for mercy they give them the illusion of hope of respite or escape before crushing them um when in battle black dragon strikes quickly at the weakest targets first in as a violent a manner as they can manage and in order to send hopeless terror through the remaining foes and bolster the black dragon's ego whenever possible a black dragon does this from an ambush for optimal effect okay they strike for the darkness nice. um 
In contrast, sneaky, sneaky dragons. Right. In contrast to this, black dragons are known as the most cowardly of dragons. <laughs> okay. They are quick to retreat if surprised or if the foe proves to be overly resilient. Uh, and one that finds itself near defeat will stop at almost nothing in order to save its own skin. So that's super unique to the the like embodiment of all the other chromatic dragons we were talking about. Like this red dragons will go toe to toe. They will fight to the death to yeah. defend like their their red ego dragons, and pride, their territories. Red dragons, red dragons and blue dragons have a lot of pride, a lot of ego. Right. And they're generally fearless. Part of that comes from the fact that is they're at the top of the fuck food chain. Right. But the other part is that's just the personality. I mean they're at the top of the food chain for like a reason like yeah, it's naturally yeah, like yeah. that because of their personalities so now i know it sounds like we're picking on black dragons because they're super cowardly but let's be real green dragons are super cowardly too and white dragons aren't much better like but that's like a defensive tactic that you use for survival that makes right. you dangerous is to be is Very to retreat so. absolutely um and that's what black dragons do mm. so as one would imagine uh black dragons don't care much for one another either um, they are strictly solitary creatures as a rule. When it comes to procreation, female black dragons will take the lead. Um, they choose a mate primarily on the size of the male dragon's horde. Uh, usually the male is a younger dragon in these cases and doesn't really get a choice in the matter. Um, if two females end up choosing the same male at the same time, they will fight for him. And the male is forced to bear witness and gaze with admiration upon their future mate's victory. Nice. Um, sweet. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so black dragons uh, also don't make for good parents. Um, they, no way. Yeah, I know, right? Do they hate their kids? Uh, kind of. Yeah, uh, they Sounds right. They rely on hiding their eggs rather than guarding them themselves. Uh, they will only protect their progeny so long as their own lives are not in danger. Uh, once dragon wormlings are old enough, the parent will recommend that they leave the territory immediately before they decide to eat them. <laughs> the dragon wormling uh, polymorphed and gone bard. And he just like is an emo band lead singer. My mom threatened to eat me. <laughs> yeah. And I hate her. <laughs> and I hate her. Okay, cool. Okay. So when an ancient black dragon dies, it causes uh, an environmental diffusion that results in an area of abnormally high humidity and foul soil. Uh, few plants will grow in this area, and those that do are poisonous. Water that gathers in these areas becomes highly acidic and undrinkable. Uh, dang. Do people, like, accidentally drink it? I'm probably sure. not. It's like, oh. like, not a good adventure. Good yeah. adventurers smell their water, right? True. Okay. Yeah. Good adventurers uh, use the spell um, Purify Water. So. Uh, and they also use the um, the D20 to suss out bad, stinky water. <laughs> this is true. Roll that nature check, girl. Also, I'm pretty sure that this water would be obviously uh, disgusting. So Yeah, it's got like chunks of black in it. So any questions about black dragons before we get into the uh, regional effects and then layer effects and then uh, this uh, ancient black dragon stat block? Um, well, you, you actually ran a campaign for us. It was my first campaign mm, where did. you used the black dragon. I did, although you guys never saw him. Well, we didn't <laughs> we make didn't it. We, we, we went on to bigger and better things. Yeah, but I had him. He was, he was basically going to be the big bad until it was going to be like a Final Fantasy situation where it's like, this is your big bad and then you get to him. It's like, oh no, there's actually a bigger bad behind this guy. So my question is, did did you do any uh, like homebrew to that dragon? Like he was, was he was okay. very homebrewed because he was he was like he was beyond an ancient dragon. Like he was a legend amongst ancient dragons. So he had like higher status and power than like even ancient dragons of other colors. Okay, sure. Although he was like, there's other dragons that were like bigger, badder than he was in that world that I was running. The idea was that dragons hadn't been seen in the world for like 3,000 years. Sure. Uh, they'd been banished to the outer planes along with a lot of other powerful entities because of like a thing that had gone down that had almost an undone existence, which I'm not going to get into because it's all homebrew. So it doesn't matter. 
But yeah, Tartarkus, we named him, actually named him after a character. Comes from, up a lot on the show. So it'll just, we whisper Tartarkus sometimes. Yeah, that's from our original campaign for anyone who's wondering. You know, we're on episode 144. We might as well reveal yeah, it so now. Like the, jo- the joke has been like gone over everyone's else's head for so yeah, long. It, how um, could you know? But yeah, that was you guys' first original bad. The name Tartarkus is actually a name taken from an old uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Oh, cool. Um, which um, most people haven't read, called John Carter of Mars. Uh, it's a pretty... I would say it's a good read, but you also expect it to be a read that is a product of its time. So it's kind of arduous in that? Or do you mean it's like an old it's pulp fiction novel? Um, the storytelling is fun and it's campy, but it's also like it's like a lot of stories from back in these days. Like the hero was like super manly, good at everything. Sure. Yeah. Like got all the women. Uh, beat all the people effortlessly. Oh, like, you know, a Her- yeah. like a Hercules? Like a Hercules or a Superman, but like... Um, Achilles or, it's a little yeah. bit silly, uh, but the reads are still fun because the world is really, really interesting, especially since, like, these books were written in the 1920s, so, like, this is before we had a lot of the information we have about, like, space travel and whatnot, so, yeah. like, you have these writers, like, inventing stuff about, like, Mars and stuff, and that's where these this adventure takes place. It takes place on Mars with oh, cool. these theoretical societies that this guy discovers. So, anyways... Um, any questions about Black Dragons before we get back to No, no that was it. Just because I knew that okay. you'd used one, so I wanted to get like more on the context. I thought it would be Yeah, Tartarkus was a super homebrew. He was a mega-evolved Black Dragon. Got so, it. Let's talk about regional effects. So, the region containing a legendary Black Dragon's lair is warped by the dragon's magic, which creates one or more of the following effects. The land within six miles of lair takes twice as long as normal to traverse since the plants grow thick and twisted and the swamps are thick with reeking mud. So, that, that one, I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, next, water sources within one mile of the layer are supernaturally fouled. Enemies of the dragon that drink such water regurgitate it within minutes. Uh, uh. That's a nice defense mechanism. Man, um, I shouldn't have eaten before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, fog lightly obscures the land within six miles of the layer. That's cool. So it just makes things wet and nasty. Yeah, and uh, very like um, Sherlock Holmesy. You know, I always picture him like walking up on like Moriarty's lair and it's all like super foggy. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, layer actions, as we know from all the previous Dragon episodes, uh, Dragon's layer actions are going to take place on Initiative 20. Um, these are, you get three actions that you can choose from if you're the DM running this dragon. Um, the first action that you can take, uh, pools of water that the dragon can see within 120 feet of it surge outward in a grasping tide. Any creature on the ground within 20 feet of such a pool must succeed a DC 15 strength saving throw or be pulled up to 20 feet into the water and knocked Prone. That's cool. That's a pretty cool one. Next one is a cloud of swarming insects fills a 20-foot radius sphere oh. centered on a point the dragon chooses within 120 feet of it. The cloud spreads around corners and remains until the dragon dismisses it as an action. Uses, uses, uses this layer action again or dies. The cloud is lightly obscured. Uh, any creature in the cloud when it appears must make a DC 50 constitution saving throw or take 3d6 piercing damage on a failed save, half as much on a successful one. A creature that ends its turn in the cloud takes 3d6 piercing damage. A cloud so, of, it doesn't say what kind of bugs? It doesn't, it just says insects and it's a 20 foot radius so it's a pretty freaking big sphere. That's a way to just oh, yeah. zone like a part of the cavern that you're in 
and like no one can go in that zone. It's basically a wall, or if you do, you pay the price. It's Piranha Plant side special. It's also uh, yeah. it's, have you seen Constantine? Will I, I think I've I asked you that before. Yes. Do you remember the cloud of insects that yes. he gets? It's like a demon though. It, yeah, yeah. I have, it's got yeah. like crabs in it and stuff. It does. That would be wild to see that. I think that would be like very fitting. Like in a swamp, it would be all kinds of bullshit. Especially if it's like a salt marsh near the ocean. Like I could see crabs and all kinds of bullshit in it. That'd Can you imagine cool. like he bur- he burps out like a big tar bubble of that size, <laughs> and then just the tar like like gets shaken off yeah and it's just like a bunch of bugs that's really cool i like that idea the final um layer action that you can take um magical darkness spreads from a point the dragon chooses within 60 feet of it filling a 15 foot radius sphere until the dragon dismisses it as an action uses this layer action again or dies the darkness spreads around corners creature with dark vision can't see through the darkness and non-magical light can't illuminate it if any of the effects area overlaps with uh area of light created by a spell of second level or lower the spell that created the light is dispelled oh wow that's yeah. pretty yeah pretty now cool. these are two zones that once you do them like if you're good with where they are you don't have to use your layer action on them ever again you could just keep doing the tide grasping thing yeah so it's like zona insects over here zona darkness over here the water is your enemy and also i'm a fucking dragon like, yeah, and when you get through all that, uh, I am the final boss. I am loving the synergy of these layer actions. Well, yeah, you can build your your layer structure around those spheres of influence. And As you like, should, because that's what the Black Dragon would have done. We joke about Dark Vision a lot on the show. We it's do. because everybody's got it. So it's how true. terrifying must it be when you when can't you actually see anything can't see. at all? <laughs> in magical, you do? You're casting magic, and it's like, where'd my magic go? <laughs> Fuck, I can't see anything. And right. then all of a sudden, you hear buzzing. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're just getting stabbed yeah, all I, over. I gotta say, uh, triple... There's centipedes in my heavy armor. God. <laughs> triple A plus to uh, the layer actions on this. It really makes the Black Dragon a lot more interesting. Yeah, totally. And it makes sense for the, the layer to be a really cool controly trap type place mm-hmm. when it's the cowardly, dra- dragon. cowardly dragon's yeah. MO to like, okay, well, if I don't beat them with my lair stuff and me, mm-hmm. I can just like this zone of darkness will help me get away. Exactly. Most likely. You're Very at a disadvantage fitting. on all these attacks to try and like ground it. Righto. All right. So let's look at the ancient black dragon uh, stat block. Again, gargantuan dragon, chaotic evil, armor class 22. We're looking at a challenge rating of 21. So I think the red dragon is 24, blue's 23, green's 22, black's 21. Okay. Um, let me see. I mean, uh, immune to acid. Um, they got dark vision. They got blind sight. Um, let me see here. Immune to acid. That's just like a that's just like a throw in, huh? Like, well, a, the, uh, like a giveaway. A chromatic is always immune to whatever their breath is. Yeah, I guess so. This right. is just like kind of that's not a great um, immunity. To yeah, like immunity not to a lot have. of things do acid. I guess the wizard ain't acid splashing you. Yeah, that's basically well all my my <laughs> range of like what are good acid things to do. Well, you know that Melf's acid arrow is another spell. Oh, good. I love um, Melf. Uh, you know that <laughs> barbarian who got that great axe that does acid damage. All right, right. that would right. be actually pretty cool though. That would be pretty cool. Every time I hit you with this axe, its sentient mouth opens and it vomits on you. That's amazing. And your your skin is it bubbles a little. So to get into the ability scores, uh, strength twenty seven, dex fourteen, constitution twenty five. Intelligence 16, Wisdom 15, Charisma 19. So all incredibly impressive. Also all slightly worse than the dragons above them, as it should be. Um, It's going to get all the things that normal ancient dragons get. It's going to get your legendary resistance, which is three times a day. You could just choose to succeed on a saving throw if you failed. Um, They have the multi-attack. Their their bite is a 
2d10 plus 8. Their claws are 2d6 plus 8. Their tails are 2d8 plus 8. They have the Frightful Presence, which is basically each creature of the Dragon's Choice within 120 feet has to make a DC 19 Wisdom saving throw, not to be frightened for like a minute or something like that. Um, Let's look at their breath. So Acid Breath. It recharges on a 5 or 6 D6 roll. Uh, The dragon excels acid in a 90-foot line that is 10 feet wide. Each creature in that line must make a DC 22 dexterity saving throw, uh, taking 15 D8 acid damage on a failed save, half as much on a successful one. God damn, dragon breath is so powerful in this game. I love it. Oh, you know what? Good application. Can you do that on yourself? Like, can you center yourself? Can a dragon, like, center itself as a target so it wouldn't take any damage? But, like, if there are people, like, trying to climb the dragon... As is like want to do. I in would fantasy. say absolutely yes. You yeah, can, that would be you include super, yourself in the line. That would be super cool. You just like sprays it upward and makes a rain out of it, and it just like comes down yeah, like that. My friend is very creative. I, I like that. I idea. want to get everybody off my back right now. Indeed, I like that. Um, and then the, here we go. I, the, I've talked about this before. I'm only going to talk about it briefly again. Legendary actions. They're the same for all dragons. It's uh, they can detect with a perception check. They can make an extra tail attack, or they can make a wing attack that like does uh, an area effect that knocks everyone prone. Again, they're cool and all, but I really feel like the legendary actions should be the thing besides the breath that really separates the dragons from each other. And I feel like the legendary actions should be homebrewed to reflect what type of dragon you're fighting. But that's just my opinion. They Otherwise, should, like, uh, I mean, superpower the stat, the existing kind of stat allocation the dragon has incorporated yeah. into it. I mean, the fact of the matter is this: like, as we are doing these dragon episodes, when it comes down to it, the only differences between any of the stat blocks is. Um, the ability score numbers and armor class and like that jazz and then the breath attack and that's it. Everything else is identical. So uh, the, the, what we're talking about a cool legendary action would be for each dragon would be like uh, more acid. More where, acid. Like it's just called more acid. And I it, really like, <laughs> like the idea of leaning into a dragon's elemental um, affinity. Right. I mean, you do yeah. it with draconic blood sorcerers. They have all this elemental affinity. It makes sense to kind of do it with dragons. I, and I mean, you could do that on your own. You can give dragons spellcasting. It's it's in the monster manual, and you can choose spells that really accentuate that and all that. But I'm always a fan of building it into the monster stat block because as a dungeon master. Um, who doesn't run, I don't run a PC, so I don't run spellcasters a lot of time. I don't know the spells like the back of my hand. Like I know some dungeon masters do, but I don't. So if I'm trying to run a bunch of monsters and I keep having to look up spells and have like, spell cards ready and like I'm not going to have them all memorized. So next thing you know, I'm reading them while we're playing. It can really bog a game down. But if they just have a few features that are built into the stat block that are right there, it would just make my life easier. It would. I mean, yeah, it's if you're really spending, if, if your dragon is your BBEG, you're probably going to want to put like the time you would spend on your BBEG, like mm-hmm, restacking mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Like I could see, right? That's spells. true. I did an encounter one time where I built a wizard and I was like, okay, let me build this level wizard. And my players are just going to fight just this. Like it was a two on one. Right. And uh, this guy's MO is going to be to like either kill these guys, maim them and then get away. Mm-hmm. Like he's not trying. He's like, just trying not to get arrested, pretty much, because he was selling drugs. Okay, <laughs> it's right. called the Drug Wizard. Spoilers for FBATs in our Patreon, but yeah, the Drug I, Wizard. That's yeah, great. he did a really cool like padded his body down all over himself to cast the fly spell, and then like tried to get away. But they have grapple guns. I don't know. It, it worked out really cool. If what I'm trying to say is, I spent a lot of time just assembling that dude's spells. Right. And like, okay, if you're doing it for a lot of high level monsters, which is in Super Quest Saga. That's kind of where we're getting at. We're getting into um, guys stronger that monsters magic. and they all know magic and it's like okay I have to have all these spell cards ready and I know what most of them do for the most part but 
you know, we, we want to be true to the rules, so we got to be exact. And it's just, it can get a little cumbersome. And maybe it's just because I come from 4E where everything is built into the stat block. So maybe I'm just spoiled that way. Mm. Um, but I, I just feel like dragons deserve a little bit more. Well, I really like flavor. the magic system in 4E. It's, it's, it's exactly like that where it's like, right. oh, well, you're Matt, you get this. You get this power. It does this thing. Right. And like. It's just like a, a click, like select this and that it goes off. <laughs> right. It's not like I have to pick like out of, oh, I have, you know, spell slots and stuff like that. Right. Well, yes. And okay. So do we have time to talk about sure. like magic not working the same way? Like, do, do you do your magic where it scales like with the wizard class? Like I'm building a wizard uh-huh. or do you do some homebrew stuff where I'm like, I'm statting out this guy mm-hmm. and he knows these spells and can cast these spells. The okay, are you times. talking about from a DM standpoint when I'm building yes, like a yeah. monster? Yeah, I throw the fucking classes out the window. It's like, I need these guys to cast these spells. Yeah, so I just like, get, like for instance, uh, well, uh, spoilers for an upcoming episode, so I, I can't get into that. But, uh, well, I guess by the time this airs, that'll have aired. So like in the last episode of Super Quest Saga that aired, uh, when you guys fought the bards, um, yes. those bards didn't have actual like access to some of the spells I needed for that combat. Right. So I just fucking said, fuck it. I'm going to give them the spells I need them to have. And this is my world. It works how I want. Yeah. Like they are trained to do this magic. Exactly. So it doesn't have to be, oh, he's a wizard. So he's limited by the wizard wizard spell list. Even though like that is such a wide variety. It depends on the game you're running. If you're running a game where like that stuff really matters to you and the players that you're, you're running the game for, then obviously, yeah, you're going to limit yourself in that way. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, They say creativity flourishes in a box and that is a box you're putting yourself in and that is okay. Um, For our game, obviously that's not how we play the game. And it's my, my campaign, I'm the DM and like, I want the world to be, what I've built. And so that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. I feel like you feel the same way. Yes. You're going for a certain tone. Like exactly. I, I built the spellcaster in my game because I thought it would be cool to work within the rules and get more familiar with spells. Right. But I was also like, if I be, a, if I am a wizard and like that gives me a lot of the tools I need to make the combat what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So it just happened to work out. Right. I was like, this is what I want for this combat. But most of the time I'm just like, this guy can do dancing lights or like right, that's right. it that's his magic mm-hmm. you know or yeah. or this person can like do a little heal or right. whatever and i think canonically like lore wise not mechanic wise it makes sense since so many since like okay wizards learn how to cast spells like by studying i mean it's not too far fetched to think that a person could study and learn a couple specific spells regardless of like their class association like it, yeah. it seems okay. like within the realm of possibility, canonically speaking. So. Yeah, I, I can see that opening up a can of worms at your table, too, depending on the type of game you run. Being like, right. well, your NPC was able to cast a spell. How come I can't study? To <laughs> because you don't cast? have the backstory. You don't have the backstory. <laughs> so, uh, so anyways. Uh, you don't have the balls. I think we can, uh, <laughs> I think we can uh, get ready for a long rest. Yeah. And I just wanted to quickly talk about TDC Plays, which is a gaming channel that we hear at the Dungeon Cast where we play video games on YouTube. And uh, right now we're doing uh, Legends of the Wind Waker HD, Mega Man X, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And we got more coming down the pipeline. And we, we have other games that we've completed. We did a Pokemon Heart Gold Randomizer Nuzlocke. We did the game Outlast. We did Undertale. Um, what else did we do? We did People Sonic were Mania. Stoked about the Undertale. Finale. Undertale was fun, man. It was a really cool game. I'm glad that uh, my sister introduced it to me because it was a great game. really, really fun. Uh, but yeah, if you guys like video games, if you like us, you probably like listening to us and watching us play video games. So check out that channel, subscribe, like it. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It's fucking um, hilarious. With that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's call it a game. All Bye. Right. Bye.
Podcast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.